Hey guys, obviously by now you've um, figured out that I'm a supporter of Tigray. Not just Tigray, um, any Ethiopian state or nationality that wants to stand for its own identity. I've said it in the past um, how complex Ethiopia is with its 80 plus nationalities. And every single nationality has a right to their own identity. I've said that again um, in the past so many times. But today I want to focus on that identity sovereignty being damaged and destroyed. And because the war has been waged... Um, I'm very emotional. But not just because of, you know, Tigray, where I love, is um is under attack, but because of the plain hypocrisy we have seen over the last two years. Tigray has warned the country from the beginning that he would do this. And they were called daylight hyenas. They were attacked. The TPLF has had propaganda streams thrown at it. The Amhara elite have continued the same narrative they've been continuing for 200 years, that they are the birthplace of Ethiopia. Now, let me, let me take you back, okay? Let me take you back to the age of Gondor. We're talking 16, maybe 1700. Okay, a, ca a capital kingdom. There was also a kingdom in Shua, which is no longer Gonda, which is not Gonda. They were different. They were two completely different kingdoms. The Shuans and the Gondarians had a very difficult relationship. They had Tedros, they had Menelik that intertwined with... Menelik was a captive of Tedros's for the most of his life until Tedros went to Matama and fought off the English and shot himself. Now, just so you know, the English came to Ethiopia because Tedros begged them to send missionaries to teach them about modernizing the country and, and modernizing the weaponry. Um, Johannes had a similar concept um, and he had also wanted to help he the Tigray in the north um, and part, most of Eritrea was one um, kingdom or rule, ruling area at that time and he also had a vision to modernize the country alongside the the industrial revolution of Europe if you don't know Ethiopia has been connected to the European powers longer than England has been connected to them. There is archaeological evidence to show that Sabaean was a language, a written and an intellectual language before Greek. The Greeks are known for their, their well-thought-out philosophical debates and questioning of life, questioning of gods, questioning of 
how do we think, you know, why do we think this way? So Greek mythology and Greek philosophy is very um, well respected in the in the education sphere. And the Aksumites were part of this. Whether they were called Aksumites or Panites, Panites I think it was, or Dementes, the people of northern Ethiopia have been part of this civilization for 4,000, 5,000 years, okay? They have intertwined with Europe. They were Christians before Europe. Europeans were still running around paganizing each other, being pagans, sorry, sacrificing each other, just, you know, all the lovely things that, that pagans do, I mean... Don't get me wrong, my own people were pagans for a very long time. But, you know, they would flay, if you don't know what flaying means, peel the skin off people as a human sacrifice, you know, to the many, many gods that they had. Ethiopians have been civilized in that sense longer than the majority of Europe. And when I talk Ethiopians, I talk northern Ethiopians. I cannot talk on on behalf of the Oromo. I have no qualification in their history. I have no knowledge of their history. But as far as the Christians come in Ethiopia and then later on the, the Muslims, um, I've got a little bit of knowledge, not a lot, but enough to talk and that's why I talk. So Johannes's vision and Tedros's vision was to reuni- um, reunite the kingdom of Ethiopia, the kingdoms, the many kingdoms of Ethiopia at that point. There was no united Ethiopia at that point. And we are talking 1800s. This is just after the French Revolution. The French Revolution goes into removing imperial rule, going into the idea of having a socialist kind of society where people are where taxes are dispersed evenly, where taxes are spent on the people instead of on the kings and the queens. So that was the French Revolution. That's what all that was about. That you know the the Americans then took that idea on. The English themselves took it idea that idea on. And they fought. Um, that was also at the rise of the the height of the tech, technologic tech, uh, industrial revolution. Steel was being used, gunpowder was being produced in mass amounts. Weaponry was the competition for weaponry advancements was huge throughout Europe. Europe is an east to west kind of culture. I mean, east to west continent, right? So, um, never, yeah, east to west continent. So that means that you know their climate is pretty much the same. So the competition is larger. So yeah, I got cut off. But anyway, the competition is larger when the climate is the same. So they're not fighting against the elements to to advance in their technologies. Okay, so anyway, but that's Europe. What was going on with Europe in about the 1800s? They invite, Tedros Johannes invited um, the English in they actually appealed based on their own Christian backgrounds, um, the English being a Christian country at the time, and, and asked them, can you help us? We want to rejoin the Europe, the European continent and be great again. You know, the Aksumites were great and they wanted to recreate that culture. So um, they brought their missionaries in. Some guy called Cameron, I think it is, was, was, um, was sent off to send a letter to the Queen at the time in England 
And that letter got lost. It got dispersed in mail and and Tedros got crazy. He, you know, imprisoned Cameron and his men and basically Queen Elizabeth or Victoria, I think it was. Oh, God, I'm, I'm bad with who they are. I'm not English, so I don't really give a shit on who was the queen at the time. Anyway, um, sent down her her people, Napier, and said, get him back, get Cameron back, get all of our missionaries back. We came down to help them, uh, the people of the kingdoms of Ethiopia, because we had equal respect for them, and they've slapped us in the face. Do what you need to do and get them back. So they came, they they got back their men. Um, they pillaged, you know, they've taken things back, and in some ways... Personally, I'm grateful because um, there's still some there's still some historical records that they've they've taken that have been preserved that may have been destroyed after um, the next coming wars. Um, anyway, that's besides the point. They came, they got their people, they left. Look, it, so it shows in some way that Johannes and Tedros had a re, had a very high regard for the English, the English had a very high regard for them. Tedros shot himself because he didn't want to, God knows why, but probably give in to the shame. He went a bit crazy in the meantime. He killed his own people. Ah, oh, looks like something that's happening here. And then Menelik escaped. Menelik then rose in Shua. The north of Shua rose in to become their own empire. The English um, were conquering the rest of Africa. They had no desire to conquer Ethiopia. They had respect for Ethiopia as an equal kingdom. The English are a funny kind of mob. If you don't like, if you stand proud and you don't allow yourself to become victims in their eyes, they kind of leave you alone. Irish will tell you that. Like the Irish didn't stand up strong and they got beaten for centuries until, and then when they started to, you know, stand strong, the English said, okay, cool, you know, we'll we'll give you some respect. So there, as much as you want to say, whatever, this is not a podcast about English history and colonization, just the fact that they didn't colonize Ethiopia. Um, but the Italians tried to. So we had a situation where England was trying to colonize Egypt. They were trying to colonize Sudan. Um, they needed help and they called out to their friends in Ethiopia, i.e. Johannes, and they said, look, we of your friends, we didn't come to Ethiopia to attack your, your kingdom. We came to get our people back and we've left. So we still have this good diplomatic relationship. They said, yeah, sure, we do. And um, what do you need? They said, We're, we we need to get rid of the Mahdists, their, their, you know, whatever they labeled them, terrorist group, whatever. Can you come help us? Yep. Okay, Johannes said, I'm going to come. They said, we might need some extra some extra help. Who else can you summon within the kingdoms of Ethiopia? Kingdoms, S, okay? Plural kingdoms at this point. And when we're talking this point, we're talking 18-ish, late 1800s. We're not talking long ago, people, okay? So at this point, we're talking maybe 200 years. There is still no kingdom of Ethiopia. Um, while I'm here... I was having a look with my son today at maps. So let me try and get a map up. Anyway, I'll, I'll get back to that. But there is no kingdoms at this point. They said we might need some help. We might need um, to get, we might, we might need some reinforcements. So he said, look, there's a king down in Shua who has just, you know, um, rain, started reigning since Tedros died. Why, why don't we ask him? His name's Menelik. Some... Look, I'm, I'm summarizing. Of course, there was much more detail involved. 
Menelik at this point has really only got the rule of Shua and Gonda because um, because Tedros has killed himself, so he's moved over there. And um, Johannes himself said, look, um, to, to communicate, we need to communicate in a central language. I may be fabricating a little bit here because I don't know the full details, but as I understand it, at this point, Amharic is not a tribal language. So at this point, we've got um, Gonda in Begemeda, we've got Gojam, we've got Shua, we've got Wolo. People of Wolo traditionally at that point speaking Tigrinya, the people northern part of Begemeda speaking Tigrinya. Listen, I, I could be wrong. All of this, I, I can be a little bit wrong on the facts. I'm, I'm being vague because I don't know the whole details. Um, and the Shua people, you know, I think at this point they're speaking Amharic. So Amharic at Amharic started off as a language um, that was used in the kingdoms by their uh, workers, by the peasantry. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're not peasants, they're not really slaves, they were kind of indentured laborers. So the laborers, you know, the, the working class of the, the kingdom and the soldiers. So Johannes actually had the idea to say, um, to centralize language that they could speak to the Shuan people with. So Amharic was spoken in that area because Shua, Gojam, Begamadar, Gondor had influence of these languages. And um, they also had their own languages, the people of Agal, the people of Kement. I think there's even a Gojam language themselves. Like they had their own language, but but this was the spoken language of the 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 working class of the castles. So they said, okay, why don't we communicate in this so we have a neutral language? You know, we don't have to go through the the barriers between Tigrinya and all of the others. So Johannes had this idea, okay, to speak this neutral language. Um. So they called down to Shua, however they got their messages down. Come on, Menelik, can you help us? Yeah, okay, Menelik, we're going to help the English because the English have said basically at this point, if we get Egypt, we will return the lands that the sultans of Egypt have stolen from you guys in Eritrea. So off they went. They went to war. They defeated the Mahdists and Johannes is killed in the battle. They go back up north, um, the the. The kingdom of Tigray, it goes back up north. The southerners of um, Shua go south. And at this point, um, the English had other issues back home. I think the French were encroaching on their their lands again. Um, Australia was being formed. Um, the Turkish, yeah, I think it's around, it's probably around the time of, you know, the Turkish and Gallipoli wars were starting. So they retreated out of um they retreated out of Egypt very quickly after they defeated the Mahdists and they signed the land over, but um in the meantime the Italians came and basically stole it off the Sultan. So they took the land off the Sultans of Egypt and the Italians claimed it. Um Tigray at this point is in a little bit of a mess. They don't know who's going to be the next leader and the Italians are encroaching. Alula and his fighters are fighting them off. And there's, you know, leadership kind of discussions, who's going to be the next person, blah, blah, blah. There's much more history details. I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to go into all of this. I just want to explain to people how we've gotten to the situation we're in now. 
Menelik then does a deal with the Italians, um, as he's claimed himself their king of kings, which was not approved by the other the other regions. Menelik's claimed himself the king of kings, Solomonic dynasty, blah, 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 bullshit, 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 bullshit. There's absolutely no evidence whatsoever to back that claim up. But he's claimed it. Haile Selassie claimed it afterwards too. Again, no evidence. Oh, Solomonic. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Abby says, I'm Solomonic. Anyway, so he's done. He's claimed himself the king of kings. Tigray's gone, oh, shut the fuck up. We, we will deal with you later. We really need to just deal with these Italians at the time. He's gone up, somehow sent some people up. They've, they've done a treaty with the Italians and said, yep, um, you're going to give us the land back if we, we back off, whatever, whatever. The Italian version said that we'll give you the land back after 100 years. So they kept fighting. The Tigrayans, the, the Italians have encroached on Marala. They have, you know, they've encroached on the Tigrayan land. They've encroached on Asmara. Asmara at this point is part of Tigray. It's part of the kingdom of Tigray. And um, and so, you know, they've as a united body, the, the Eritreans and the Tigrayans have been fighting off these these horrible monsters of, of Italians. But, they, but they're not winning because the Italians had artillery that the the Tagaro just didn't have. The Eritreans just didn't have. So, you know, they're winning. But they have strategy and they they knew that if they led them into a sp- particular pass around Adwa, um, they would be able to... Alula is a strategist, a strategist, so he knew that he would be able to take them out. So they basically led them in, but they were dying. They were dying en masse in the, in the flatter areas. So... Taitu, um, Menelik's wife said, "No, fuck this shit. We need to help them. Like, if we don't, if we don't help them, they're coming through us. They get, they get through Tigray. They get through Maala. They're down to us. Come on, we have to go." Menelik said, "No, he was too okay at this point. Menelik was too busy dividing the Oromia people and um, to- terrorizing basically all the other people of Ethi- this now new united border of Ethiopia." This is 1800s, guys. Come on, this isn't very long. Um, and forcing them to speak to Amharic. You know, because the idea came from Johannes to speak Amharic. You know, it's a united language. It's, it's a neutral language at that point. Um, so, you know, if you speak Amharic, we're going to protect you. We're going to survive. You know, these terrorist people are coming. The Italians are coming. The Ferengis are coming. You know, we need to unite together to, to beat them. Look, they've already taken Somalia, blah, blah, blah. You have to be scared. So, you know, he he is the founder of modern modern day Ethiopia. Not historical, modern day Ethiopia. But he did that through extortion. He did that through terror. He did that through fear. And he said, basically, submit to my ways or fuck off. I know there was a resistance in Oromia. There was a, a resistance in the south. Um, but basically, he won because the fear of the white man was was too great. That, you know, they submitted to this these new borders of this new Ethiopia. Um, because at this point, they've taken Eritrea. Oh, they're basically taking Eritrea. So he was busy, you know, conquering, killing, murdering, doing whatever. Taitu called him back and said, I'm sending my army back. She had her own protectorate. And so she sent them up first to help them in Adwa because really at the end of the day, the the Italians had modern weapons. They didn't. Um, Manelik had, had 
collected a lot of weaponry from the the battle with Matema. So, you know, he had a better fo- he had a better artillery force than them. And um then his slow ass came up with a few riders, you know, with actually I think he was probably pushed more from the Oromo from what I believe. Um they pushed him up there because they said, "Look, if if you're serious about these these Ferengis taking us, then we need to go stop them because once they come down they're coming for us." So they united on that on that common enemy, which is which is a common strategy within the you know the law of war. Um, so his his Shua is split at this time with many different ethnic groups. I I guess it would have been difficult, but you know they've got Shua, they've got Wolo, they've got Tigray, they've got Bagamada, they've got Godjam, they've got Eritrea, and um, Afara. And so, you know, they've united and said, okay, we're going to be this new, this new modern day Ethiopia. So people, what I'm, my point is that this Amhara tribe that you guys are talking about crying for, that has ruled history for so long, were part of Begemadar. They spoke pure, mainly Tigrinya or their own native languages, which have been wiped out because of Mangustu. I mean Menelik, sorry. Mungustu, <laughs> you the next you the next terrorist. And then Um Amharic became a language that was known in the peasant class. It, it obviously has evolved throughout the communities because as people have left their jobs, they've you know, they've gone, okay, well, we'll just talk this language that we talked inside the castle, whatever. Whether this is good or good or bad idea, it's not really relevant. But the the fact of the matter is that like that that tribal identity of Amhara was was kind of created I would my guess is around sixteen, seventeen hundred between sixteen hundreds and eighteen hundreds. There is a lot of history I'm skipping over. There is a lot of other events I'm skipping over because it's not the point. The point is that up until Menelik came and created this new border of Ethiopia, the Oromo was separate to the Semitic people on the north. Shua was divided because of because it's a border, you know, it's a border kind of um, kingdom. So there was mixes and whatever. But Gojom, Molo, Tigray, Bagamadar, Eritrea, Afar, pretty much shared very similar cultures. Tigray, Bagamadar, Wolo, Gojam, pretty much the same culture. So when we're talking this ethnic cleansing war what are we fighting for really i mean are we fighting for 400 years history when prior to that there's three four thousand years of shared history because a chunk of history had a united front of um amharic speakers which may have which evolved into their own class or culture but they share a history Gondor was set up in 1600s-ish, 15, 1600s. It's not that fucking long. For 3,000 years, you guys have been together. And you want to con- fight because of 400 years, a chunk, a tiny little chunk, a speck in history that you guys were more important at that time. Even at that time, there is no evidence to suggest that they were Amhara kings. The most likely 
thing is that they were speaking Tigrinya. They were Tigrinya speakers. And they had the working class speaking in Amharic languages. That is the evidence. Go question it. I want you to question me and prove me wrong. Actually, I don't really want to ever fucking talk to any of you if you're going to, you know, I just really don't. To be honest, this this is me just ranting and raving because I've had enough. Like history needs to be expressed in the way that reflects that you are one body, especially the Semitic people. For centuries, the Semitic people being the Eritreans, whether you're Muslim or Christian, the Tigrayans, whether you're Muslim or Christians, the modern-day Amhara, whether you're Muslims or Christians. You're one people. And you're fighting over 400, maybe not even 400 years of ruling history, maybe one, 200 years of ruling history. You're fighting on modern-day borders created by force that forced the Oromo to be with you. And you're creating, you're fighting on this Ethiopia first, which is such a modern idea, okay? It's a modern idea created by one king who really wanted power and control and he used the attack of the Faranj as the reason. We then have Haile Selassie. Don't get me started on that murderer. He was taken out by Mungustu, who was a lighter, I believe. He saw it. We don't want to be under imperial rule anymore. Your imperial rule came down and destroyed our culture, destroyed our people, made the people of the north absolutely starve to death. This imperial rule, this single dictatorship needs to go because kings, queens, Dictators, they're all the same thing because it's the central, it's a central parliament where everybody is admiring the the leader and they, they are admiring a leader to lead them through instead of, you know, a democratic system. So Mongoose is taken off the ideas because it was common at that time. Europe has, is playing at this time in the 1940s, 50s with communist ideas, especially Eastern Europe. So, you know, with, they're trying to think the world's evolving democracy hasn't really been seen anywhere else but Australia and New Zealand at this point and and to America to some extent. But real democracy is really only seen at this point in history in Australia and New Zealand. And they were basically one anyway there as an English colony. So, you know, you can't really blame Mungostu for trialling out communism. You can't blame um, Mellis for thinking that it might be the way forward. But when Mellis came in, he's seen his ways and he's gone, okay, I'm going to create a a federalist constitution that actually allows, because look, really, we are 80 bodies, um, 80 bodies represented in one country and every single body needs to have its own, its own ability to defend its identity. So when we, when people say the Tagaro, they killed us, they did this, they did that. Listen, the Tagaro above anybody understands what it's like to have a single identity as a culture, a cultural identity, and, and they have defended every single 80 cultures' rights to be who they are over the last 30 years. I don't care what their tactics are. I don't care whether they have been, you know, infiltrating and completely controlling the whole EPIDF. They did it for the people to have their right to be who they are. 
who they are born to be, to maintain their culture, to maintain their language. There was a, there was a plan to transition into a full democratic society once everybody was at the same level of education, once the farming was, was even throughout the country, once the manufacturing was, was booming throughout the whole country. Meles was killed. Many will say he just died of natural causes. Most people with a brain will suggest that he aggravated enough people in the EU and also the African Union, um, trying to stamp out corruption and, you know, stop the high interest loans of the EU. So whatever you want, I believe he was killed. Um, people say, ha, oh, he attacked the Oromo, blah, blah, blah. Listen, he wrote in the constitution, the constitution was written to allow separation should it, should the state themselves be able to prove that they can run a safe government so they do not become another Somalia or revert back to the old ways of Ethiopia. I, I forgot to mention the Zemana Mesophant, which is where the, the Tedros and Johannes and there's a few other kings in between. They were um, part of, you know, they were warlords that basically, or, or chieftains that basically ran small areas and they fought within each other, blah, blah, blah. So to prevent that kind of tragedy happening again, they said, okay, the constitution pretty much says, if you are self-determining, if you have a government structure, if you have an economic plan, if you have a way to, you know, prove that you can sustain your own government on your own, then you can you can have a referendum and off you go. Eritrea chose to do it. The Eritrean people chose to have a referendum and off they went. Mind you, they are entering part of this war because their 100-year lease to Italy has given up. After their 100-year lease, that, that lease, that was given up during Haile Selassie's time and he refused to allow them to, to vote. So basically after the 100-year lease to Italy... They were allowed to defend, um, to vote. They were supposed to vote whether they became independent or not. Haile Selassie said no. Mungustu said no. So they were fighting to be able to vote. Um, in the constitution, like I said, the initial constitution, it was allowed that they could activate Article 639, 69, I was going to say, Article 39, um, and they did. So they they voted. They proved that they could be they had a government system whether it was maintained or not we know it wasn't um they haven't been able to vote since but they had their referendum and off they went to be their independent country the oromo the oromo could have done the same i like i said i'm not i have no idea really on their struggles they blame the tplf for not allowing that to happen um squandering uh, squandering their their independence but my hunch it's just a hunch is that they hadn't proved that they had a um, a political system that would have prevented chaos and, and chieftain return. So that's probably my hunch and why Jauhar and, you know, others were exiled because they wanted to basically implement it without having any actual plan for it. That's my assumption. So I could be wrong and I don't want to... I, I would love, like I've said many times, to understand the Oromo side of, of what happened in the 1990s to early 2000s. So, um, yeah, 
I don't want to offend them at all. But we've got a situation where they've voted somehow Abby has tricked them that he's one of them. He's voted in and he's in power now. This guy, whether he's imperialist or whether he's fascist, whether he's far left or far right, the guy's a dictator. His PP party is is spouting Ethiopia first. The first person to spout Ethiopia first is ding, 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 Menelik. What did I say Menelik did if you didn't spout Ethiopia first with you? Ding, ding, ding. He killed you. So what just baffles me is the people who support him that talk about a united Ethiopia don't give a fucking shit when every other Ethiopian nationality has been killed, has been murdered. There has been murders for the last two years, mass murders in Afar, in Oromia, in the southern states, in the, like, Benchango Gomas. There has been mass murderers. And no, Ethiopian first, I'm Ethiopian first, we believe in all Ethiopians, has cried one fucking tear. They just ignore it. The Ethiopian first media, ESAT, has said nothing on these deaths. And if they do say something, they blame it on the Oromo. Or they blame it on the Tagaro. While the Tagaro have said, fuck you all. We've died enough. We died enough to protect this Ethiopia first vision we didn't even fucking want to be part of. But we got rid of that that Mungustu who was terrorizing y'all. You know, as a united front, we got rid of them. We took over. We got Addis. We died in the thousands, hundreds of thousands for you. We don't give a shit anymore. Okay? We are sorry that your people are dying, but we are not killing them. We are going to fix our own homeland. We are going to build a government. We are going to build a parliament. We are going to build special forces to protect us should this shit happen. The Tagarot said, we're minding our own business from now on. You guys fight your battles because we're done fighting for you. You don't appreciate what we did? Fine. We don't even want the glory. We'd, but we're done. We're walking away. This is our boundary. We're done. And so while these, these horrendous murders have been happening and not being reported about by ESAT, none of these Ethiopia first, I'm Ethiopian first, protesters have come out and said anything. But when their people are killed, or allegedly their people, we don't even know if the bodies inside those houses were Amhara. We've got no idea. It's just a great propaganda tool for Abiy Ahmed to blame everything on the TPLF and the OLA or the OLF or whoever the fuck group he wants to blame it on that day. And then what has he done? With no evidence that it's the TPLF, just his blind assumptions and leadership from Isaias, he is executing his plan. Every Tagaro outside of Ethiopia right now is crying. Every Tagaro needs to be saying, I am Tigray. Every Tagaro needs to be saying, I stand with Tigray. Because the fact of the matter is, 
this Ethiopia first doesn't exist. It, li- it existed based on force. It is never going to exist again. The cold, hard facts of this is that nobody has cried a single tear for the other Ethiopian. Not nobody. I'm sure the Tagaro have because they've been warning. But like I said, they said, enough, we have to focus on our own house. It's time to cry for all the lives that are lost, not just the ones that are killed when it's Amhara lives. Hundreds have been killed in the last six months and people have been silent every single time. It is time that every Ethiopian nationality starts to stand and break their silence. The hypocrisy of the Amhara Ethiopia First group is destroying the country. You destroy Ethiopia, you destroy the Horn of Africa. You destroy the Horn of Africa, Europe gets infiltrated with refugees again. They have said, we are not accepting anymore. Your people who flee will flee on boats and they will be murdered on the borders of Italy and Greece. Not because of their nationality. Europe is packed to the brink. It is fighting COVID at extreme rates. It cannot take any more refugees. So your Ethio first bullshit is fucking up the rest of the world. And guess where you all live? In the rest of the fucking world anyway. Where are you? Are you home fighting? Or are you just sitting there behind your keyboards in your in your fancy little, you know, two-bedroom apartments, sitting there with your air conditioning and, and central heating, living in luxury while your people are fucking starving to death? Where's the money been raised for the locusts in Wallo? Come on, people. The Tagaro have already raised over a million dollars for their people. Ethio first. Where's your Ethio first locust fund? Fuck off with your hypocrisy. It's done. You have killed enough people. You allowed another dictator to come in. And you want to still talk about Ethiopia first? Fucking talk about Ethiopia first when you start crying for another tribe that doesn't look like, I mean, sorry, doesn't speak your special, special, very elusive Amharic. Fuck off. We're done with Ethiopia first.